Coming up this week on Up in the Blue Seats, the Rangers are expected to head to training camp on Monday and begin their playoff series at the start of August, as a new tentative CBA deal is expected to be approved this week. The Post Molly Walker joins us to discuss. Molly and I also chat with four-time Stanley Cup champion, Allender legend, and analyst Butch Goring. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Welcome to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And please, please, please give us that five-star rating. Write a nice, positive review. Our buddy from the Post, Molly Walker, will join us in just a little bit. She'll join us for an interview as well with a guy who won four Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders, the great Butch Goring, but first, here he is, the star of the show, number 10, Ron Duguay. Thanks, Jake, and it's good to be back after a uh, a vacation plan for myself. I went out to the West Coast, see my kids, celebrated 4th of July, celebrated my birthday, and so I'm back, and uh, back thinking hockey, th- talking hockey, and I look forward to the show today, because uh, I wanted someone to come on that I'm connected to, who I've gotten to know, who I've gotten to play against, and that's the great Butch Goring. So Butch and I go back uh, to uh, 1980, where we really started competing each other on the Ranger. I played against him before when he was with the Kings, but back then, as a Ranger, you didn't think, you didn't take the Kings that seriously. It was like going on vacation when we went out to LA. It really was. We really enjoyed it. But then he ends up with the Islanders and all of a sudden you see a different Butch Goring. And some will tell you, like Brian Trottier, and that they don't win Stanley Cups without Butch Goring. He was that missing piece. So we get to talk to him today. Um, not only did I compete against him, but I also played with him. Canada Cup 1981. He was my centerman. That's where I really got to know him. And then later on, uh, we both doing television, working for MSG. We got to work together i really got to know the guy and we do a lot of events together so i look forward to our conversation because he's a guy that i have a lot of respect for i'm very comfortable with and of course molly walker will be on as she covers the islanders she'll have some questions for him happy 63rd birthday again we said last week aging gracefully glad you had a good time in california and you're tan anyway so you could go anywhere and you're going to be tan and it doesn't include a tanning booth it's just you in the natural sun so i uh, hope you had a great birthday and you know hockey's getting closer training camp expected Monday and Molly will join us in a minute and you know there's a report out there that the NHL will have three games a day in each hub city small reports coming out each day but I imagine you know when Monday comes and you see guys in the ice it's just going to be a refreshing feeling it's just like it's been months and months of just guys not being able to do so and to get their feet under them and get back out there at least for a couple days before they head out to Toronto and get this thing going with exhibition you know last week of July it's got to be refreshing to you know inching closer to that well I, I gotta tell you i'm like a regular fan i uh the season ended at the probably the most important part of the season which was just before the playoffs and the rangers were competing and winning and two points out and we felt like they had an opportunity to really make the playoffs so now it's about to arrive it's going to be there and uh and the unknown is what's going to make this so interesting i don't know what the players are feeling because this is all new to them training camp and then playing for the stanley cup and so for the young guys they may be just kind of whatever right the older guys may feel a little more 
more pressure to have to perform. The coaching, it's going to be tough on them because they have to be really prepared right out of the gate. So there's a lot of excitement that's around the corner. I'm looking forward to it. We're getting closer. Players are on the ice. And of course, there's always business that has to be settled as they're doing now. And it's not just this year or next year. They're going long term. And so let's get business aside and let's get players on the ice and let's get hockey going again. Yeah, and that CBA is the business side and, you know, our insider, our expert, the legend, New York Post sports writer, Molly Walker. You can follow her on Twitter at Molly Walker, two E's and two R's, because, of course, there are those eggheads that steal the Twitter names. And I know Molly is very frustrated about that, how her Twitter handle that she would have wanted with the actual spelling of her name was taken by someone who's probably never tweeted. We won't discuss that. But, Molly, good to uh, have you back in the program. How are you? I'm great. That was definitely one of the best introductions I've ever received in my short journalism career. (laughs) (laughs) So Molly, um, can you give us an update on the business side? Because you're really up to date. I'm reading little bits and pieces here and there where they're at. I know they want to come to a conclusion on the business side, the agreement, the contract between the players and the owners. What do you have for us as far as what to expect in the near future. Yes, so a couple of small updates that have been trickling out day by day. Uh, Where we're at right now is the NHLPA Executive Board just approved the tentative CBA last night, and it's now onto the NHLPA membership for a ratification vote. We should be hearing a final decision in two days or so, according to the Players Association graphic on Twitter. So around July 10th, they're expecting everything to be finalized and they can really hit the ground running with this 2014 tournament. So we'll see. So, well, I have to, need, I have to ask you, because I read somewhere some players that are part of the playoff teams have an opportunity to opt out. Opt out of playing. What does that mean? Yes, yeah, so they are permitted to opt out and players that are also on expiring contracts are actually permitted to sign with a different league if they choose to do so by the end of this month, um, which is a great opportunity for players that aren't comfortable with coming and playing in the 2014 tournament and the bubble and they still want to play hockey. So that was a nice compromise that they were able to come to an agreement on and players have to inform their respective teams if they want to opt out of the 2014 tournament three days after the ratification vote is complete. So whenever they officially announce that, you can start setting your timer and waiting to see what players in the league will choose to opt out as we've seen in almost every other league there have been at least a couple so I I would imagine there might be a few in the NHL as well see guys to me that's kind of bizarre if you're going to leave your team in a bubble to play in another league if I'm a teammate I'm pissed off because you're either not playing or you're playing you're not going to another league to play does that make sense to you it does I guess because I I, you know they it depends on, on who you're talking about and you know how they feel about the given situation also their play it's four players that are on expiring contracts so you don't know where they stand with wanting to be in the league or wanting to transition out of the league so I think it was just a little sweetener compromise thing that they threw in there to appease the players association which I think was a smart decision so it's more on the business side why they would opt out it's not necessarily because for health reasons correct yeah maybe so I, I'm not again I'm, I can't speak for all the players but I, I haven't heard of any players that are, are worried about the health concerns and the health risk but I, I agree with you I think it would be a business decision and, and a career decision if they were to do that okay well good talking with you Molly we're going to get to uh, talking with Butch Goring and I look forward to it
My guest today played 16 seasons in the NHL with over 1,100 games, six of them with the New York Islanders winning four Stanley Cups. In his playing career, he won the Bill Masterson and the Lady Bing Trophy with the LA Kings. Then playing with the Islanders, he wins the Consmite Trophy in 1980. After his playing career, he went on to coaching several years in different leagues, winning two championships in the International League. He has been honored recently by the Islanders organization with the retirement of his jersey, number 91. You can see him as a full-time analyst with the New York Islanders on MSG Network. Welcome, my longtime friend, hockey legend, Butch Goring. Well, yeah, great. Uh, Ronnie, it's uh, it's great to, uh, to chat with you. And, uh, you know, I'm, we're, uh, we usually see each other at the Dale Howard Turn Golf Tournament, so um, we're, we're missing that, although I understand that may happen in September. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to get back with you again. We always have a good time. I can remember Team Canada back in 1981 we we had a very good time well butch um with all of us our life has been uh, disrupted and for us being in the hockey business it's either been really quiet or you're finding other things to do what what's life been like for you what have you been up to the last two or three months well uh, obviously you know there's big concerns for for lots of people and particularly feel bad for people who have passed away and who have caught corners the, uh, the the disease COVID nineteen, but uh, fortunately for for myself and my wife Paula, we have we have uh, we have done the uh, the right things. We have uh, stayed home most of the time, and uh, I've become uh, I will tell you I have become very proficient, Ron, at uh, washing clothes, turning the uh, dishwasher on, vacuuming, folding things, cooking. So I'm for hire now because I'm not doing a whole lot. So if people need any of those functions, I'm, I'm, I'm available. The biggest thing, Ronnie, is I've been able to play golf pretty much every day. I, uh, fortunately uh, for uh, Tamashaner and Long Island, the golf courses have been open for most of the time and the weather's been good enough. So that's uh, that's really been a game changer for me. So you and I have known each other for a long time. And part of this show is living in the past, going into the past and also the present. So I'd like to start in going into the past and into your career where you started with the LA Kings and then you get traded to the New York Islanders and so I'm curious to know what was it like for you having left LA with the environment of living in LA playing LA hockey and then going to the Islanders what was it like for you that instant kind of feeling going from one team to the other it was uh it was obviously a dramatic change and uh, hockey in, in LA the, there was a core of about eight to ten thousand uh, very loyal fans and uh, they showed up most every night our team was pretty much an average hockey team uh, the times that I was there we had a few runs in the in the playoffs but we really never seemed to be able to uh, find our way to get over the hump and then uh, and I met a lot of good people in LA and and, and Ronnie you've been to LA and I mean, LA's uh, particularly in the 70s was a great city, uh, great weather, and so I really enjoyed my my time there. But going to the island was a whole different game. I mean, and I've said this many times. The minute I walked into the dressing room, I could feel something entirely different. And the best way for me to explain it is that in LA, if we played hard, that was kind of okay. That's good. Well, that's what we need to play. So the winning and the losing it was somewhat irrelevant as long as you played hard and gave it your best when i walked into the on, into the islander dressing room it, that was not the feeling the feeling was that we needed to win uh this this was not play hard and and everything is okay no no that 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 was already expected this team needed to win and and so it had a completely different feel feel as i uh, as i walked in the room so i'm curious in knowing what was the conversation between you tori 
or Al Arbor when they brought you in? Did they just bring you in and just um, had you just go be yourself? Or did they have a conversation about what they were expecting out of you? Actually, Ronnie, you got it right the first time. Uh, there was very little conversation with uh, with Bill or Al. And, and I, I think that was probably, for me, the right way to do things. I mean, I was 29 years old. I've been in the league about 10 years. So uh, they knew my game. They, I'm sure they paid a lot of attention in making this deal as to, you know, what type of person I was, what type of player, and uh, what they thought their needs were and where they could be fulfilled with the acquisition of me. So... Um, I just came in and I, I was fortunate because I, I knew Billy Smith and we were very good friends from our time in, um, in, uh, with the Alley organization and won a cup together in Springfield in uh, 71. And I also knew John Potvin. He was on the same team. So there was some, some familiarity there for me to come in. But for the most part, I wasn't nervous. Uh, I, I just went out and played my game. And, and it was fun because, that, that, as you well know, that was a really talented hockey team. And, and I was fortunate that this team started to win right away. Like everything fell into place uh, immediately. And we went on that 8-0-4 run to finish off the season. And so anytime a trade is made, as you, as you well know, you know, if you have success and everybody thinks, oh, that was a great trade. But if you don't have success, then everybody goes, well, that was bad. So I was lucky enough for everybody on the team to, you know, pretty much feel, oh, okay, this was a good deal for for, for us and for, for everybody on this team. So, Butch, I have to introduce Molly Walker's on a call right now who uh, works for the New York Post and covers the Islanders, and uh, I know you've met her, and she's got some questions for you. Absolutely. Hi, Butch. How are you? Everything is great, Molly, and uh, anxious for this season to get back on track. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm just curious, you know, talking about your Islanders career and thinking back to getting your jersey hung into the rafters earlier this season. What was that experience like for you? What was that night like for you? Well, one of the greatest days in, in my life. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it. I mean, it was um, much anticipated by by myself. I mean, once uh, John Lebecki and Scott Malkin and certainly and, and um, Lou um, had the conversation with them. I mean, every day was like a kid waking up for Christmas Day. Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Because I was just so excited about it. And, and um, so once it happened, uh, it was just great from my... Uh, from start to finish. I mean, the Islanders, uh, this entire organization did it right. And uh, so for me, it's obviously, it's it's unforgettable. But to be able to, to go to the Coliseum and then obviously to Belmont at some point in time, and to, uh, every time I walk into that building, every time any fan walks into that building and sees my number up there, I mean, it just... Um, you know, it's almost unthinkable that um, it's it's hanging and will be hanging forever. Brian Trotty was interviewed just beforehand, and uh, one of the things that he said was, we don't win Stanley Cups without Butch Goring. What does that mean to you? That's about as great a compliment as I could imagine. Uh, when, you, when you have someone as great as, Al, as Brian Trotty was, and Billy Smith has said the same thing. So, I, I mean, when you get your peers and, and people who are Hall of Famers talking to you in, in, in that vein, I mean, it's just not that I need any thoughts on, on whether I had a good career or not. I was happy with my career. But, I mean, when you have people talk like that about you and what your contributions were, that's just above and beyond. And, uh, I mean, that's just so kind of them to, to, to say it. And, and uh, it just, uh, I mean, I, I don't even, honestly, Ronnie, I don't even know what to say about that because it's just, you know, you just don't hear those compliments. And, and particularly when you, when you have as many good players on that team as we did, uh, you know, six or seven Hall of Famers. I mean, it's just, uh, so to be in that group is, uh, is pretty special. I, I've gotten to play with you and I've gotten to be around you. I saw your compete level on the ice because we played together same line for Canada Cup. And I also saw what you were like in the dressing room and off the ice. 
And some of the players talk about there was something missing, an ingredient missing in the dressing room, where Al Arbor said he felt his players were a little too uptight. They needed someone with some confidence and with some humor and some calmness. And that's why they thought of you. Is he accurate? Are they accurate when they say that about you? I I think they're very accurate about it. And and, uh, it's funny you mentioned because a lot of people, you know, just think about what I did on the ice and and had, you know, was able to score some goals and do some good things on the ice. But I I always felt that I was able to bring a different element to that that dressing room. I mean, they were, you know, they were young at the the time, uh, the majority of them. And and, and there had been a lot of pressure on them the first two years before I got there. I mean, uh, your Rangers had beat them uh, once in 79 and they'd lost to Toronto and the expectations were sky high. So, I mean, I just wanted to be myself. And like you said, you've been around me enough times to know that uh, I don't take a lot of things seriously. I, I, I like to have fun, but you know, when I need to prepare myself or I need to do something that takes concentration, I have that ability. But I was uh, pretty loosey-goosey before the game, after the game. And, and uh, just it's just, you know, it's just my personality. And, and, and I think it was exactly what that team needed. They needed someone that, uh, you know, wasn't biting the end of their fingers when there was a, a you know a game on the line or in between periods. I, I was just always myself. And I think that was the type of scenario they needed. Which I'm just curious, what was Ron like as a line mate? He was great. I mean, I have to tell you a quick story. So, you know, Ronnie and I hadn't spent all that much time together before Team Canada. I had played against him, obviously, when he was at the Rangers. had to chase him around and try and check him to death. But when we got to Team Canada, uh, and they put us together right away, there was myself, Ronnie Duguay and Bob Ganey and make no mistake about it we we knew what our jobs were we were the checking line and and uh, you know there was guys like Gretzky and Lafleur and Dion and Perot so um, you know, we weren't expected to go out and score goals every game. Uh, we had a certain way we needed to play. And we were all, obviously, that was how we played. That's exactly what we did. So, uh, but Ronnie and I, uh, every day before practice started, they had stretching exercises. And everybody would pair up and then they would do all these stretching exercises. And Ron and myself paired up right away. And, and I, I remember saying to Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, do you stretch? And he went, no, good. I don't stretch either. So we just used to stand there and watch the rest of the team <laughs> stretch for 10, 15 minutes. And no one said a word to us. And, and of course, we were always ready to play. But uh, playing with, uh, with, with Ron and I, and I had a pretty good idea of how he played. And then the more we played together and we killed penalties. But, and like I said, we were that checking line. Nobody wanted to play against us. I mean, uh, Ronnie and, and Bob Ganey, both 6'2", 6'3", and, and they played a hard game. I'll tell you one thing. They, they were they were not, they were were not nasty. They were hard to play against. And uh, so we played most of the time in the offensive zone. And, and But it was a blast. We, we, we had a good time. And uh, uh, But all three of us played the same style. We, we, we played hard, lots of energy, a lot of preparation. Hey, Butch, Jake Brown here. I'm curious, did the Islanders and Rangers players hang out in the early 80s? Like, were you at Studio 54 with – Ron and Cher in 1982-83? You know what? What stays in Vegas stays in Vegas. And uh, so, you know, but uh, we, we, you know what is funny? One of the hardest things I think when you get to a Team Canada scenario is that there are so many players, and obviously most of them are superstars uh, from from different teams, but... uh, 
everybody always finds a way to, to leave their teams, whatever it is they have there and behind, and they focus in. And particularly when you're playing for your country, it's a, that's much more important than any kind of feelings or sentiments you, that it might be off with, with your uh, uh, NHL or so. Uh, everybody got along uh, really well. And I, actually, I hung around Kenny Lindsman, I think, more than uh, anyone else. Uh, but we, everybody had a, had a, like I said, had a real good sense of uh, why they were there and, uh, and, and they were, then they wanted to win. And, it, and that last game against the Russians was really disappointing because we had beaten them, I think, two or three times beforehand. And uh, we just didn't have the right game that, uh, that particular night. So um, that was sad. How intense, Butch, was that Islanders-Rangers rivalry? I feel like it's not the same as it used to be. And going up against each other in big playoff series obviously changes things. Can you kind of take us through uh, the rivalry between the two New York teams? I, I, I think it was great. And, and uh, you know, the, the rivalry is created in many ways because of the fans. I mean, the, the Ranger fans are diehard fans, as, as are the Islanders. And, and, you know, a lot of the parents are, were Ranger fans and the younger generation was Islander fans. So everybody really got uh, ready to, to play that game. And, and I've, I've said this on many occasions. I always felt like, can Ronnie could certainly jump in on this one but I always felt like the Islanders were more ready to play the Rangers and the Rangers were ready to play the Islanders and and, uh, so we always had uh, you know always had pretty good games and obviously we had good teams I mean that you know particularly for me with that rivalry I mean uh, when you win as many cups and they're as good as you are and and and, you know Rangers had a very good team also at that time we had some great series I mean obviously the Rangers beat the uh, Islanders in 79 and the Islanders had a little revenge in 75 but there were there were some great playoff series and so that those type of things uh, you know with all the fans and the media um, create great rivalries and I I think the rivalry is, is still really good today I think there's a lot that gets into it I just would love to see these guys play each other in, in the playoffs deep in the playoffs and, and uh, you know I've, I've mentioned that to several people that you know I'd like them to set the playoffs so that the Rangers Islanders could play in the finals one year because I just think that would be crazy stuff and then everybody would love it but uh the rivalry is uh, i think is as good as any rivalry in, in any sport and uh i've all i always enjoy playing against the rangers but it's two parts in the next question it's about coaching you coached a long time and i have to assume that you enjoy coaching because you coached for a long time do you see yourself or could you see yourself coaching in today's game well, you're right, Ronnie. I, I did really enjoy coaching. I mean, I always wanted to coach. I mean, uh, I started coaching kids when I was really 15, 16 years old. I helped out on, on a part-time basis. And then as my career pro- progressed, I I paid attention. I had some great coaches in, in Bob Poford and obviously in Al Arbor. And so I stole from them whatever I felt was going to be beneficial to me. I, I love to work with guys, trying to make them better, trying to win championships. I mean, I I, I play to win, as you well know. And I, I'm, so uh, coaching is a much bigger challenge because you can only watch as the, as the players play. But uh, I, I really enjoy it. I, I think I could coach in today's game. I, I think I could adapt if necessary. But I have no ambition at all to coach uh, anymore. Running eight, uh, the day's too long for me. And watching these guys, I mean, they're spending eight, ten hours, or spending eleven months a year, preparing themselves with videos and conversations and everything else. So um, I'm happy to be uh, on the broadcast side, which is where I am now. I get to enjoy the players. I get to enjoy the games. But uh, you know, there's still that competitive edge. And someone said, "Hey, what you need to step in for Barry Trash for one night?" I'd be there in a heartbeat. Butch, on that front, we got one question from Twitter from at Beefcake Spoke. He said, please ask Butch if he remembers what the gag gift he received from his players 
for Christmas in Spokane was? Oh boy, no, I don't. Uh, I coached that. That's juniors in uh, in Spokane, and uh, uh, that was you know that and, and and Ronnie asking about coaching. I think the the best coaching gig, although it's certainly financially not, is coaching juniors because they they all want to be where you have been, uh, and, and so they they really attentive. They try hard and they come to the rink and they're and they're ready to go. But um, what did they buy me in Spokane? Oh, I, I, <laughs> you know. I don't know. Probably something funny. I'm sure of it because, uh, you know, my reputation precedes me wherever I go. Shifting gears a little bit uh, to your second career um, being an announcer, wasn't it just reported that announcers wouldn't be traveling to hub cities and would have to call games from in-studios? Were you officially told that? I have had no official word yet as to uh, what we're going to uh, do. I mean, uh, I'm under the assumption that uh, I'm going to be like everyone else, uh, you know, with no fans. and. Uh, Certainly no, uh, no announcers, and uh, so I'm not sure who's going to be in the, uh, in the who's going to be allowed in the stadium. I read the other day exactly what the teams are going to be allowed, but as far as TV is concerned and how that's all going to work, we haven't gotten a final final on that. So um, I'm I'm I, w- I will remain optimistic that that I get a chance to go to the games because it's uh, certainly a lot more fun to be there at the games, but. Uh, you know, we'll wait and see and uh, get the final final on that. Yeah, what kind of challenges does that bring not being able to call the game in person well i've never done it before so frankly i don't know exactly uh, you know how difficult it uh, it may be uh, again i mean uh, being able to sit in the stands uh, obviously you have a very wide view of uh, of the game uh, and obviously on tv it's uh, you know it's a little more restricted but um, you know, it's playoff hockey, so I, I'm I'm excited about that. There's uh, some uh, anytime you can do those those type of games that uh, you know you're ready for it, you're excited about it. So uh, whatever happens, happens. I'm I'm, I'm hey Molly, I, I'm just thrilled to death that it looks like where uh, the season's going to start. And then B is the you know the Islanders are are part of it. Uh, I'm sure Ronnie's feeling the same way, and that, that the Rangers are are part of it. And so that that in itself is is really exciting. And I'm just curious, how do you see things shaking out for the Islanders and Rangers in the first round in play-in series? <laughs> I, I, you know what, um, I, I like the uh, the matchup for for the Islanders uh, with uh, with Florida. I mean, they had a great series three four years ago. They they have a very talented team. They can score a lot of goals. So it could be the uh, the classic defense plays against the offense when, uh, when these two teams meet. So. Uh, I expect a, a very, very good uh, series, and and the same with the Rangers and the and the Hurricanes. I mean, you have two teams who skate extremely well. Uh, Hurricanes are a little more experienced, obviously, with their run last year. But again, two different series for me. Well, really, I think you got one team that's got an awful lot of speed, and the or one group, and then the other group is, I mean, you know, thinks a little bit more about the, the defensive side of the puck. So. Uh, I, I think uh, all of the series will be close. I think they're going to be great hockey, and obviously uh, for for New York sports, you know, you 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 hope the New York teams do well. Butch, I know that you've been paying attention to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame uh, recently. New players in the Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame. When when I when I um, read your bio, and I've seen when I really see what you've accomplished. Um, your thoughts on yourself being inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame because you're definitely worthy of going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Your thoughts on yourself. Do you believe you've done enough? Well, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I guess, Ronnie, when you uh, – I, I think uh, Brooksy was, uh, tweeted out the other day um, some stats comparing myself to uh, Carboneau, and, and 
you know, my stats were pretty strong. So, you know, when you look at something like that, if you want to compare, you say, well, boy, didn't I do just as much, if not more? And, uh, you know, my, my feelings always about the Hockey Hall of Fame is that, you know, everybody that gets put in there deserves to be in there. And I would never slander them or, or you know, uh, take a cheap shot at any of them. Either. You know, they're there. They deserve to be there. They got voted in there. But, I mean, when you, you look sometimes at, uh, um, you know, your stats and uh, what you've accomplished and uh, certainly being on a team that won four straight Stanley Cups, you think, um, you know, boy, uh, I got I got to be awful close if I'm not. So, um, but I, you know, I can't control it, Ronnie. Uh, it would be nice. I make no mistake about it. It would be great, but um, it's out of my hands. So, um, like I said, I congratulate the people who get there, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe one day uh, it'll be me that people are congratulating. Well, there's no question. If if you were to ask all your teammates about what you meant to them, uh, when a Brian Trottier says they don't win Stanley Cups, and a Billy Smith says you don't win Stanley Cups without Butch going, I think that's worthy of the Hockey Hall of Fame. So we're gonna end it there, Butch. I really appreciate your time. I wish you well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. Uh, It's been fun. I I hope to see you uh, in Toronto in uh, September. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special That's a wrap for episode 32 of Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple, along with writing a nice positive review. We appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RonDuguay10. Thanks for joining us, folks. Talk to you all next week, and stay safe.